DLF.com and the DLF family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superplexity, and this is the Superflex Super Show. I, I, every time I have a guest on here, like they just laugh the entire way through my intro. You know, self-conscious. Uh, but it's all right. Uh, I've been doing it. I've been doing it long enough. I can still fight through it. Uh, but also, I, I I didn't lose any energy whatsoever in that intro because I am super hyped for this episode. Uh, this is one I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, one of my uh, one of my newer friends, but somebody who I have in a short amount of time gained a ton of respect for. Um, and had uh, several very, very fun, very interesting interactions. And so now we're here to share that with you, my super friends. Tommy Blair is here. I'm not going to give you a Twitter handle because Twitter is stupid. But Tommy, uh, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, uh, man, <laughs> I have a feeling that might be the last time I say something nice on this episode. We'll see, though. But thanks for coming on, brother. Man, I can't thank you enough for inviting me onto the show. Um, yeah, we've talked a few times um, over, yeah, the the platform that shall not be named and a couple <laughs> others. And I love having conversations with you because you think differently. And before we get started, I just want to thank you for putting that out into the space. There's so much of an echo chamber that I've seen in the few years that I've played Dynasty. And I just get pumped when I hear a different voice. I'm going to say, I don't always agree with you, but (laughs) I do listen because what you say, it matters to me because other people are playing the way that you play and I want to beat you. Yeah. (laughs) And, and now you've got an opportunity. We're in trade addicts together. I, by the way, I really appreciate that. That's uh, that's super meaningful coming from you. Um, Yeah. We're in a trade addicts league together. And uh, now, now we get to kind of, uh, compare our chops. The problem with that league is, I mean, I've, I've, I've talked about this before. I screwed that one up from the jump. That was, so that was right after Saquon Barkley's rookie year. And, you know, he comes in, gives you running back one overall season, uh, is a rookie. And then we did the startup right after that season ended and people just could not get enough Saquon Barkley. It was just, I mean, you saw, you saw trades for Saquon where he's going for like five, six firsts or, you know, player equivalents. And, and, and I was just like, all right, you know what? I'm going to see what the freaking hype is here, what this is all about. And drafted, say, well, traded into Saquon Barkley at 101 rather than taking my quarterback extreme approach. And it's just been a constant struggle ever since. But uh, I, it, you're you're coming in now, taking over an orphan, and I'm kind of curious how close to your preferred roster build that roster is. So when I took it over, it had some good pieces, um, which I was appreciative for, um, because when you take over an orphan, it's typically <laughs> just hot garbage, right? Yeah. Um, but I prefer to take over orphans rather than do startups. So the, the project wasn't anything that was all that daunting, really. Um, to answer your question, how close is it to my preferred roster construction? It is certainly a work in progress. Um, 
like you, I have a philosophy that I've sort of tweaked and moved around to, to get to a point where I'm trying to exploit the individual markets of my dynasty leagues. And I'm pretty far off still from creating my optimal roster construction, but yeah. it's not too far away. So I've, I've got probably a dozen trades to get to where I want to be, but this is trade addicts. I can do that in a year. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, you also, you mentioned off air a, uh, a, a, a very, very specific uh, roster build that you're working towards. I'm not going to say what that is. Um, I mean, I told you that I'm not going to be able to contribute to that, but, uh, but there are still other ways for you to get there. So we're going to hide it from the rest of the league until you, <laughs> until you achieve this. But another roster that I want to talk to you about, uh, this was, uh, our, our guy, Chad on Twitter. Um, one of, uh, Ocho Cinco's many, many burner accounts, um, tagged us with a, uh, a roster, um, doing his first super flex startup at first dynasty startup uh super flex or otherwise apparently so um and this but it was super flex uh and i'm i i i just want first i want to get your thoughts on this roster and i wonder how closely this aligns to um, that roster build that you typically go go for, and then we're going to define it. We'll we'll get there in a second, but let's start with where Chad's at right now. Yeah, first things first, Chad. Congratulations. Uh, this is your first dynasty roster. I don't think this is going to be your last. You're going to find out pretty quickly that you start off with one or two leagues, and two <laughs> or three years later, you've got like 25, and you're like, I got to cut leagues. Then you have 30, <laughs> then you have 45. So welcome to the space. Um, and thank and then- you. Okay. And then, by the way, then then you cut them down, you get back down to a more reasonable number, and then you feel like, uh, I need to add some leaks. This isn't enough anymore. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So looking at your, at your roster here, I think you've got some really good pieces, Chad. I would not have started the way that you started. Uh, in your startup, first two rounds, you went wide receiver. You went Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb which is a bold strategy considering what uh, quarterbacks right now are just the hotness, the top eight, 10, 12 quarterbacks are worth gold right now. And so you, you hung yourself out there for a minute, but I think you pulled it back and did a really good job uh, through the rest of the rounds, which we can go through the, the individual players if you want in a minute, but I think you did a great job of constructing a roster here and a couple trades. And I think you're going to be in a really good spot. Man, he got Anthony Richardson in the uh, fourth round, fifth pick, and then Kyler Murray <laughs> pick pick six of the fifth round. Like that's, I that, yeah uh, yeah. Let's like, just reiterate what Tommy said. Yeah, welcome welcome to the dark side, Chad. Uh, get ready for um, to jump into a lot more dynasty leagues going forward because uh, it it gets addicting, and especially I don't know for sure how it's going to play out. But what I will say is the fantasy gods tend to, uh, tend to, to really favor that beginner's luck. They, he's, he's going to be super competitive this year. If he doesn't win the whole thing, uh, get completely hooked. And then, um, and then, you know, then he's going to suffer <laughs> the way the rest of us do on a yearly basis. 
but yeah, uh, Kyler Murray in the fifth round. Uh, I don't believe that's going to happen very often. And I think that that made a lot of this roster construction possible. So I, I like, I, I, I get it with Kyler Murray coming off the injury. Um, uh, he's been getting on my nerves with, with the injuries and with the inconsistency, particularly in the touch, uh, the touchdown passing department, like, um, touchdowns in general, it's the rushing too. It's, it just doesn't happen nearly enough for an elite level quarterback, but that's, I, 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 again, I think we chalk that up to an outlier. I don't think he's going to be a fifth round pick in very many startups. Well, it seems like quarterbacks in general, just gauging the rest of the roster, getting Kirk cousins at the 12, two and, I know this is a long way down the quarterback rankings, but Ryan Tannehill at 28.5 suggests to me that this whole draft might have been a little bit of an outlier mm-hmm. on the middle class of the quarterback position, which, Chad, you, you capitalized on, right? Mm-hmm. You you grabbed ETN, who I wouldn't have at the 3-6, um, and you followed it up with your quarterbacks, which is just fantastic. So yeah. you've got a, a pretty strong core here. You've got some vets running all the way down, um, being Dalvin Cook, Amari Cooper, Marquise Brown. You've got a lot of really strong pieces here. It's the back end of your roster, though, that I have some concern about. What do you think, John? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that we might have the same reasons for that. So I'm going to let you dissect that part of it. And like I said, let's let's uh, at the same time kind of talk about um, – you know, your preferred roster build and uh, whether or not this one aligns with it. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't do a ton of startups, but I do have a preferred roster build when I do um, complete a startup. And I typically will take as few wide receivers as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, there's a huge muddled middle that really doesn't move the needle when you're looking to start lineups in week seven. It doesn't matter if you have Quentin Johnston or Amari Cooper in week seven, because you're not going to be able to predict the high weeks. You're not going to be able to predict the donuts. You just set them and you deal with the consequences of your your lineup decisions. You don't want to play that guessing game, which is exactly what I did when I started playing Dynasty. I had 15 wide receivers and eight running backs. And I realized that I was just going nuts trying to make these lineup decisions. And so year two of my dynasty builds, I just got rid of as many wide receivers as I could. I traded them for draft capital because people love wide receivers. I traded them for running backs. I opened up space for the really cheap running backs, the ones that nobody liked. Um, And so I was rostering Jarrett Patterson and people wondering, what the hell are you doing that for? It's because he put up 20 points championship week a couple of years ago. Like you never know who is going to have the clarified start. And so you want to roster as many of these backup running backs as possible so that when the moment strikes, you can start them. Really super important question here. Uh, your own backup running backs or other people's backup running backs? Yeah. People have done studies on this, right? Um, and <laughs> the prevailing thought is, You want to have other people's because you're trying to achieve an asymmetrical upside of having your starters and somebody else's. But my preferred strategy, I don't really care. Give me the free ones. Give me the cheap ones. I don't mind getting really grungy with my running backs. If Craig Reynolds is on the waiver wire, 
I want him. I want to find a way to roster him. And yeah. so I don't, I don't care if I have uh, Jamal Williams. I want Craig Reynolds. You got awfully close to the correct answer, which was just yes. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like all of them. But I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. It's, it's not. It's, it, you know, it's not that we're going out of our way to avoid our own handcuffs. We just, we just want running backs, like, uh, you know, in, in large quantities so that we can bring them in waves. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, at least for me, part of the reason to, you know, to go fairly minimalist at wide receiver is it opens up more flex spots so that when one of those backup running backs does elevate into that, you know, that lead back role, then you've got a spot for them. So, um, you know, all of a sudden you unlock a little bit of extra, uh, ceiling, but, um, but yeah, we're, we're fully on the same page with the wide receiver thing and, you know, kind of to your point, it's, you know, there's, I always say there's no reason to bench a healthy wide receiver. It's just, you know, there's just kind of no reason to do it. It's not like they're matchup dependent. Hardly ever, especially, you know, we're at a moment right now where you look around the league at the quote unquote lockdown cornerbacks. It's Pastor Tan and it's Sauce Gardner and kind of Jalen Ramsey. And it's like those guys, those guys get burned fairly, fairly frequently. We're not looking at Revis Island anymore. We're, we don't get that anymore. So yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's nothing to really stop a wide receiver from, having a you know a top 12 top five week kind of regardless of the matchup so you know there's just kind of no reason to bench them well, let me fact, ask you this do you yeah. find you're wasting equity by getting the premier backup running backs i mean you're having mm -hmm. to spend up and put capital into these positions when there are less sexy free options on the waiver wire or in the fourth round of your your rookie draft yeah, totally. I mean, so I, I just, I look at the running back position a little bit differently. It's less about, uh, you know, who's, who's the value, where are they at in the hierarchy. It's more, it's, it's a little bit more about, uh, you know, what, which phase of the season is this player likely to be available to me? You know, so, you know, if you're talking about David Montgomery, for instance, He's gonna have I uh, like I assume that that's the type of backup that you're that you're kind of talking about. He's he's gonna be a little bit more expensive. He's borderline starter, and it's because he's got that standalone value. Um, the 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 problem for me with David Montgomery is, you know, if if Jameer Gibbs were to get injured, nothing really changes for David Montgomery. So it's less about the value. And it's more about the fact that he doesn't he doesn't elevate the way, uh, you know, uh, trying to think of a of a like a, a just a true handcuff, you know, Alexander Madison yep. right at the moment, you know, Dalvin Cook goes out with an injury and all of a sudden Alexander Madison essentially owns that backfield, you know, so that's kind of more what I'm looking for is somebody who's going to uh just kind of come along and, and take on, take on, you know, a significant amount of volume, but we also want that to happen at different intervals throughout the season, you know, kind of that wave attack 
a little bit. You want the guys who are going to take over around week six, and then you want the guys who are going to take over around week 12. And then a lot of times those starters end up back in your lineup in time for the fantasy playoffs. And it's just kind of this cycle. So um, we just kind of want to be prepared for each, each phase of the season. That's, that's, that tends to be my approach. Um, It sounds like yours is a little bit more value based though, right? Yeah. I could care less about if they're a quote unquote good or bad backup. Um, I honestly prefer the bad ones um, myself because they don't cost anything and I've already sold off my quote unquote good backups. I mean, you, you mentioned Alexander Madison who right now might be taking over a starting job. Uh, yeah. With Vikings. And that's really exciting. But how many years have we held Alexander <laughs> Madison and how many clarified starts have we really gotten out of him? Less than True. six, right? Yeah. I, I could have grabbed Jalen Warren for free last year and gotten almost as many clarified starts out of Jalen Warren. It, it just doesn't make sense to me to spend anything on a position that is just so brutal to the people playing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, you know, you, you, it's not like, like it, you're, you're almost paying for Alexander Madison at that point as if he's going to, uh, to, to get some significant workload at some point in the season, mm-hmm. you know, which I, you know, there's just as much chance of, I mean, hell, there's just as much chance that Ty Chandler ends up with a significant role and he's free, you know, like you said, like he's, he's on waivers. Like there's, it, 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 it would, you know, as things are currently constructed anyways, it would be at different intervals in the season. So that part's a little bit compelling to me, but, but I, I like the point though, that, you know, where if if you're gonna pay up like that, you're you're you need to be really really confident that that's the way this season is going to play out for that player and that team. And I don't know how you do that <laughs> with running backs. Yeah, the other thing is, I enjoy the glut of having too many backup running backs that hit. I don't need to pace it out because in those moments, having three of them hitting at the same time means that I can flip them for an injured asset and actually improve my team. I can forego the points and I can move into something that may make a difference later on. And that's the real edge of rostering 20 running backs in a 30 man league. Yeah. Let's so let me look at this, this roster real quick. So we got two starting running backs, two starting wide receivers, three flex spots. Um, not counting the super flex because that needs to be a quarterback. So ideally for you, um, and, and I mean, maybe this changes throughout the season, maybe not, but for you, uh, those three flex spots, how would you like that, that lineup to typically look? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. It's a tough well, one, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm looking at it, I'm just looking at the attrition of the positions as well, right? So I know that Travis Etienne isn't going to be sitting in that RB1 spot every single week. We're going to assume that he's going to miss four games on a conservative side, not because he will, but because that's how you're supposed to build your teams to overcome those injuries. And so what I would ideally have is with only two starting wide receivers and three flexes along with the super flex, 
I would only want to roster five or six wide receivers at most. And you might say mm-hmm. like, you have five spots to plug in wide receivers. They score more points on a consistent basis. Why wouldn't you want wide receivers? Yeah. I can trade for a wide receiver any day of the week. Right mm-hmm. now, all of my rosters are just bereft of wide receivers. I have a bunch of leagues where people are DMing me saying, you know, you have to start three wide receivers in this league, right? You only have three. Yeah, but yeah I, I get that. But it's also May 16th when we're recording this. I don't care. I, I don't care if it's <laughs> August 16th because I can go get one tomorrow. I could go get Christian Kirk if I wanted to. And yeah. so I want to live on that razor's edge of just enough wide receivers knowing I can just borrow from somebody else when I need to. Yeah. Talk and it, talk about being able to find guys on waivers. Like the wide receiver position is always, always stocked. Yep. And I mentioned last week a couple of my deep sleepers Tim Patrick coming off of injury, Trent Sherfield joining Josh Allen in Buffalo, um, you know, and working opposite Stephon Diggs. Man, like, and, and I mean, you know, Gabe Davis, I suppose, is competition for a couple targets a game. But, you know, it's, it, I, Gabe Davis is kind of turning into, you know, Mecole Hardman for me, just kind of one of those guys who, yeah, like you're going to get some, some, splash games but it's always going to be low volume so there's a lot of volume to go to somebody who's a little bit more uh a little bit more proficient with them and i kind of think that's trent Sherfield. but those guys are on waivers in most dynasty leagues you can get those at least one of those guys off of at least Sherfield off of waivers if not both so it's it's just always going to be a pretty stocked position so it sounds like we generally agree on running backs. We generally agree on wide receivers, minimalist wide receiver, running back heavy, get is just as many of them as you can. Uh, you know, I, to me, I, I still want my own handcuffs, but I'm not going to, you know, stop there. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to just load up on as many running backs as I can. Basically my goal is typically three or four to one running backs to wide receivers. So, uh, so we agree on those for the most part. Um, so let's get to the one that it doesn't seem like we do agree, uh, maybe at all. (laughs) In fact, this might, this might be the one that, uh, that, that topples our house of cards, our, our, our young friendship here, Tommy. Uh, because I have a feeling that you're going to be very incendiary, um, very provocative, and uh, possibly even a little disrespectful here on my show as my guest. <laughs> I still think I, I know how strongly you feel about quarterbacks, and uh, I have a feeling that um, quarterback extreme is uh, not something that you're uh, going to be able to hold your tongue on. Yeah. I First, uh, as a caveat, <laughs> I think it's an interesting strategy. I think okay. that there is a place for it in some leagues. Mm-hmm. However, I think you're wrong. Not okay. because you, you go too far. I don't think you go far enough. Whoa. Okay. I didn't see that coming. All right. Yeah. Um, you want to roster five quarterbacks that you can stream. Yep. 
you're playing matchups, you're digging through a decent portion of the back 12 of the top 24. Is that correct? Um, not necessarily. Um, I, I mean, I, I'll still, I'm still going to start with the, with an elite quarterback. Um, I, in, in fact, you know, if I'm at one one and I get Pat Mahomes all of a sudden, it, cause he's the one guy that you do set it and forget it at quarterback to me. Um, you know, I, and I have a feeling you're going to make the case for, you know, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Um, you know, I, I, it, and most people would, uh, but to me, the only guy who has been, who has demonstrated a consistent, uh, a consistently high weekly floor is Pat Mahomes. So he kind of changes the numbers for me, but, um, yeah, I'm still starting with that, with that guy. I just so I've got kind of a default and then uh yeah I, I you know from there it's it really kind of comes down to in the startup who's going to be available to me as I'm putting this group together without ignoring the other positions and that's where I end up with some of those low end quarterback twos kind of at the end of my bench yeah the reason that I don't really care too much about running backs and wide receivers is because I care almost exclusively about the quarterback position. I want to dump as much value into the quarterback position as I can. Where you're rostering five quarterbacks, I want to roster quarterbacks one through five in my leagues, which sounds stupid. Of course you want to roster quarterbacks one through five in your leagues, but nobody actually does it. Nobody continues to have this vigilant eye upward at the quarterback position. People just, they assume if you have two or three of the top 12 quarterbacks that you're good, that you should possibly tear down from your third quarterback to get someone like a Kirk Cousins plus a first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the wrong reason, not from a lineup perspective. I, we can set that aside for now. We can talk about it later if you want, Mm -hmm. but from a market perspective. So when you have 12 teams in a league, you don't have the overall dynasty market to contend with. You have 11 other managers and you have the ability at the super flex position, at the quarterback position to influence the entire trading market of an individual dynasty league by just hoarding all of the top quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, well, I can get maybe two of them in a startup, right? Maybe three if you have that Kyler Murray situation um, that Ochocinco had. Good on you, man. Um, but you don't stop there. The the league does not end after the startup. You continue to pursue all of the opportunities that present themselves at the quarterback position religiously. Yeah. And when, when I'm talking about that, I'm thinking about this off season, right? Which quarterbacks have been imminently accessible? Trevor Lawrence generally, mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson seems to be relatively accessible. Uh, yeah. hmm. Justin Herbert a little bit, uh, yeah. definitely not to the same extent, but, um, yeah, uh, those are, those are a few Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Deshaun Watson as well. Sure. And so we've named off, you may not have these players in your top 12, but they're certainly in the top 14 or 15. Um, mm-hmm. If you can stomach having these players on your team for various reasons, 
they're all accessible. We were concerned about Lamar's contract. We're concerned about Kyler's injury. Uh, Deshaun's a dirt bag. You know, there's all sorts of narratives out there and whether they're true or not, it doesn't really matter. The question is, are they going to hold this market value? Who cares about the points? Are they going to hold this market value that you can leverage over your league mates? Yeah. And the reason that I've been gathering up all these quarterbacks, in my leagues is because I want to have other people making poor roster construction decisions at their other positions. I want them to have a bunch of backup quarterbacks that they may or may not start. I want them to look at their super flex position as a wide receiver position. And so I want them to roster more wide receivers. I want to influence the way that they construct their teams as a counter to all of these best practices that are, uh, that are throughout the dynasty space right now. We kind of have an understanding of what a good roster construction is supposed to look like. However, when you disrupt it by taking five of the top 12 quarterbacks away, you get mayhem. Yeah. I love this. Um, I, 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 I do have to ask though, what is the end game? So like if, if you're working towards having, you know, the top five dynasty quarterbacks, you achieve that. Now you've got just, I, you know, you've, you've basically, you've, you know, Avengers style just collected all the infinity stones. So uh, you've got, you've got ultimate power, you've got ultimate leverage. How are you going to use that from there? Yeah. So you've essentially created a one quarterback league for your league mates. And so you've built yourself a 10 point or so cushion in your super flex spot. I am loathe to trade away those quarterbacks unless another elite quarterback gets injured. I am willing to trade one of my top five for an injured quarterback to where I'm not actually tearing down. I'm just losing points for that year. And I'll pick up, you know, let's say a first for my trouble or Michael Pittman or somebody else. And that's how I build back all of the other positions in my roster is by using the quarterback position, which I've already pushed 80% of my value into to trade four injured elite quarterbacks um, in moves that aren't tier downs. So I'm maintaining that five number and into next year, and I'm building out the rest of my roster. This is really a two-year build in most cases. Yeah. Who are the top five for you? Like, we'll just kind of side, you know, side note this a little bit, um, just because, I mean, you and I know consensus. I've talked about what my rankings look like, but uh, I'm I'm curious, you know, just what those top five would look like for you. Sure. Yeah, I don't get paid to do rankings, and so I can actually <laughs> make my own rankings. You know, I'm not beholden to being called an idiot, except for today. <laughs> That's such a, it's such a blessing, man. Like, yeah, be happy. I I mean, yeah. Uh, DLF is, is it, DLF is so good to me. I can't possibly complain. And this is going to sound like a complaint. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, could, my rankings are available at dynastyleaguefootball.com. I do get paid to do them, but not nearly enough to uh to to be beholden to them the way i am and to take the abuse that i do for them so like there should be some hazard pay so <laughs> when when somebody does come along and try and pay you for your rankings tommy blair just just remember this conversation and negotiate that as high as you can and say i know what's coming as soon as i put this out there yeah so <laughs> i really love quarterbacks that have done it at least twice 
right? You got to do it twice. If you do it twice, you're probably going to do it again. And I'd love for them to have a big contract. So my top five has to be Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen tier break. My number three is Deshaun Watson. And I know that's controversial. Yeah. Yeah. The reason is I can get him much cheaper than the rest of the guys. And when he was in Houston, he was in the conversation with Patrick Mahomes before all these horrible allegations went down. Mm-hmm. Again, terrible human, but putting up a <laughs> lot of points, has a ton of contract security. He has a fully guaranteed contract. Who else has that? Nobody. Right. I guess Kirk Cousins. Um, so I put him in this upper echelon. I think that what he has done on a football field exclusively warrants that. So I have him in probably 80% of my super flex leagues just because he is accessible in that way. Um, beyond that, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. And I don't really care, to be honest with you. It's all kind of a muddled group after that of good quarterbacks you certainly want to have, but you can change them all out. So Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert don't get there for you. Uh, is it is it just the contract situation? Is that because they've both done it twice, right? They've both been, you know, high end QB ones. Yeah, they've been fantastic. Um, Joe Burrow, I'm not sure if he can run or doesn't run. He scares me a little bit. He reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott, um, which is probably not a popular thing to say, but I see him taking a lot of sacks. I see him doing amazing things and running an offense that gets a lot of yards and has to this point overachieved from a touchdown rate perspective but that can fall back in, in a hurry. I'm not I'm not in on him at this very upper crust level. And Justin Herbert, I know he can run, but he chooses not to. Until he, until he runs, I'm not going to be in um, on that level. He's a fantastic quarterback. He's probably going to play for 15 years and be amazing. And you want to have him on your team, but he is not doing what Mahomes does with his arm or what Josh Allen does with his arm and legs. He's your doppelganger a little bit too, like Justin Herbert. You've you've got the beard, but other than that, yeah, dead ringer, man. Um, which which is a compliment, by the way. <laughs> uh, so Anthony Richardson is a guy I want to talk to you about because it seems like he checks all the boxes. I mean, he doesn't have a a, a massive contract yet. Uh, you know, those rookie deals are nothing like they used to be. Um, but checks the boxes otherwise, other than the fact that he hasn't done it twice because he hasn't even done it once because he hasn't been in the league. So let's just say hypothetically that we get, uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm also kind of, uh, let's actually start with this. I'm I'm curious, like, what does it look like to quote unquote do it? Like, are, are we talking about like, a QB one season, like a top 12, is it more top six? Um, what, what type of uh, benchmarks do they need to hit for you? Yeah, you can get a lot of signal by year two. Um, so if he has a top six finish by year two, um, that is somebody that I am willing to push past the previous requirements um, and hmm. go all in. I'm willing to pay four first for that type of a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Until that happens, rookies are a bad bet. 
I just, I don't invest in them typically at the quarterback mm. position. Uh, if I have to, which you never really have to, but if I did, he would be the one of the group that I would invest in. Um, but you and I made a trade a couple months ago where <laughs> I just bailed out of the first round. I, I don't draft rookies. I almost never have. That's exactly what I thought of. As soon as you said that, I was like, that's why you did that. deal." I mean, it was, I felt like it was a pretty, a pretty even deal on both sides. It was, uh, I gave you Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris, I believe. Yep. Um, and got back. Uh, I know I got one Oh two or one Oh three yep. from you. I don't remember if there was anything else, but I mean that alone, like that was the meat and potatoes of it. Like that's, that's the story right there. Um, and it felt like a pretty even deal, but yeah, like hearing that it was, it was like, I actually, I had more leverage than I thought because you were probably going to trade that pick either way. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't love making 50, 50 bets if I don't have to, and you don't have to with rookie picks. People love them for some reason. Um, mm -hmm. God bless them. Please have mine. <laughs> I did. I, I, yes, I will. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I, and I took a quarterback. Yep. So, uh, so I had one Oh two already. So I took Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, uh, which people are going to kind of hate that, that I didn't take Anthony Richardson. This is a team that's headed for a rebuild. And this is a team that's needed quarterbacks for a very, very long time. Like since, like I said, since that very first pick in the startup was Saquon Barkley instead of a quarterback like I knew it should be. Ever since then, quarterback has been a struggle. I'm finally getting to a point where it's getting rebuilt. Trevor Lawrence, now Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. So, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of on our way towards quarterback extreme with some good young elite type of quarterbacks. Um, fully, fully aware though, um, fully acknowledging and agreeing, though, with the fact that historically, odds are that not both of those guys hit. And, you know, it, I, I can't even make the argument that I made two 50-50 bets. It doesn't necessarily work that way either, right? Like, uh, just because, you know, they're both, fit, it's more like I made ah. Uh, 25%, you know, 25 to 75% bet. Like basically, you know, they're, they're, they're still both kind of 50, 50 to, and, and even then, like, it doesn't even, it doesn't always hit that way. You know, it, it like Anthony Richardson getting thrown in, I think actually decreases the odds that every single one of these guys, you know, for, for each one of them individually, the, the, the odds kind of drop. So, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's not a great bet. Uh, it's something that had to happen in order to get this, this roster back on track. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, we talk all the time about, about rookie quarterbacks and what that looks like historically. So that's very fair, but so where would you slot those guys in right now into the, you know, within the quarterback position? Like how far down are you going to push those guys? How much are you going to punish them for the fact that they're rookies? It's not so much that I'd punish them. It's that 
other people value them higher than I do. And so I just will never have them. I would rather move in a value lateral way to a different quarterback or a different position if I had to. I'd rather have Mark Andrews in a tight end premium than either of those quarterbacks. And I think that might get done in some leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think of how to word this one because, um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting, you know, putting, having Deshaun Watson at QB three. Um, and I mean, it, it, like, I think it's less hot takey than it sounds. Um, the reality is, you know, before the suspension, before all the legal troubles, I mean, same age as Pat Mahomes, very, very similar production to Pat Mahomes. So, you know, and, and I, I haven't totally been able to understand the argument against him being able to do the same thing in Cleveland. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like he hasn't played a game in two years. He hasn't been hit in two years. <laughs> like that's a fresh body, you know? That's, Not only that, the supporting cast is infinitely better. And the Haslams aren't the greatest people on earth either, but the McNairs, the owners of the Texans are even worse. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a better supporting cast around him from the top down. The offensive line is fantastic. They have great receiving weapons. The running game is strong. I mean, you can build and and demolish a defense in one draft if you want to. So they have tons of flexibility in terms of constructing the team that he wants around them. And I just think it's a perfect situation. I, I don't give it either. Yeah. So, but there there is a question here that I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how exactly to verbalize this because um, you know, if we're if we're talking value play, obviously we know that's not Deshaun Watson right at the moment, you know. Um, and 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 I, I guess the 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 big the kind of the crux of this question for me is you know, how do you weight consensus value versus kind of your own rankings and your own your own personal value? Yeah. So before we st- before we hit record, you mentioned to me that you are not the biggest analytics guy, and I've listened to you for a while now. I, I know <laughs> you're not. Yeah. But I apply a little bit of that to my process because it's there. Okay. It's freely available. There's really smart people who do 95% of the work, and you just have to take it home. And so I marry um, a warp, so the adjusted wins over replacement, um, two dynasty Dear. values. Dear God, and, you are in numbers, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one that. Uh, so, uh, what is it? Uh, is it adjusted wins over replacement? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. you you take out the games that they didn't play, and sort of, okay. uh, yeah, you you build out a better data set, in my opinion. So I'll take a look at that and I will look at what the value is from DLF and other sites as well. And I try to find value edges and maybe this will seem a little bit counterintuitive, but the very, very top, the top one, two, three players at the quarterback position are actually an incredible value when you look at the dynasty cost versus the production that they provide. They cost 
about 70% as much per win as the QB five, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's extreme value to be had by paying up and getting to the very top. However, once you get past QB 12, it's just a wasteland of poor bets. You want to be in the top 12 in order to really capitalize on this. And you, you want to have at least a Patrick Mahomes or a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen to anchor that position. Yeah. Uh, I'm again, trying to, um, trying to verbalize a question that's just kind of bouncing around my brain, but not, doesn't quite want to come out. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, you get beyond, um, you know, quarterback 12 in consensus value. Well, and this is, this is something that you brought up, um, before you even, uh, agreed to come on the show. This is a, like actually a question that, that you brought up, um, in my last episode, uh, ask me anything episode when you were kind of talking about what's the end game in terms of, you know, youth, it, it, it feels like this consensus, uh, these consensus rankings are based a lot on that, on youth. So, you know, it, like we're, we're, we're getting a, you know, a reasonable um, win above replacement in the short term from those guys. But is it necessarily, you know, especially in the short term, is it necessarily uh, that much better than, you know, Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson and, even Aaron Rodgers at this point, or is it just, uh, or is, you know, their, their age kind of playing into it for you just as much as it is for consensus. So I don't mean to go into left field, but I'm going to take your question in an entirely different direction. (laughs) Do it. I love that. Do it. (laughs) I hate the word value. I do not like the word value. Okay. And so that's my problem is, what is value? We, we talk about contending value and rebuilding value in this space. It's really value is bias, right? So it's, it's bias that you can sell. It's tradable bias or it's consumable bias. And so when you bring up Aaron Rodgers, that's consumable bias, right? You trade him to somebody who wants to use up the last bit of what he's got left. Yeah. So yeah, I'd trade for Aaron Rodgers. Sure. But I don't need to because I've, pushed towards the very top of the position so that I don't have to find the next Aaron Rodgers so that I'm good for the next three or four years. I can set it and forget it and, and corner this market in a way that's problematic for everyone else without having to circle back and buy back in. Yeah. Um, this one might be something that you don't necessarily have an, an answer to. Um, and you know, particularly, uh, the fact that uh, like I know I I know about I know you I know that you really kind of prefer to take over an orphan rather than to just you know draft in a startup which actually let's start with that I, I kind of want just like a, I just want to hear the rationale behind that real quick uh, and I think that's pretty useful to people as well why do I like to take over an orphan over a startup team? Um, that's a good question. I think startups are fun. I think there's a lot of energy in startups. I think there's a lot of grandiose builds and aspirations and they're great. It's like the age of hope, 
Um, I'm a pessimistic person. I'm a realistic person. I like digging through a team that is mismanaged um, because there's a lot of efficiencies to be gained. Typically, they're not the most active teams. And typically, the markets are in need of some refreshment. They need somebody to come in and really shake things up and do things in a way that haven't been done before. And there's a lot of opportunity within that. I, I feel pretty confident that if I can see two years of trade offers and transaction data, that I can win that league in a year or two. Because I know all of your biases. I know how to take advantage of you in ways that you don't know me. Even if you've played with me before, there are different ways to take advantage of all of the hidden biases within an individual league. So I, I love doing that. I think that it's fun. I think it's a little bit devious. I think that it's really challenging and it creates a, an opportunity to be artistic in how you manage a league. All right, wait a minute. Do I have any blind spot biases that I just haven't realized, but you're just like, you're just game theorying me on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take your strategy and I'm going to beat you with it because I'm willing to go further than you. I feel oh. very confident in that. I feel very oh, okay. confident that you are <laughs> driving down the middle of a highway and I'm willing to blast off the shoulder of the road and go bouncing down and drive through an <laughs> easement. And I'm going to beat you on the other side because I'm willing to do things that you're not willing to do. I'm willing to push my team into <laughs> roster construction practices that would make you uncomfortable. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like this. I, believe it or not, we were talking off air about the stuff that I hate uh, and, <laughs> and the way uh, the way people talk, the way people disrespect you and stuff. This is like, this is the opposite of that. This is, uh, this is some trash talk that, uh, it, it, uh, actually, it actually like inspires a little bit of fear for me. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. How are you going to out QBX, Mr. QBX? But I mean, you've got a plan to do it. Uh, I am, I am curious how, how you get there though, because you know, you, you think about Deshaun Watson again, like this is like, that's your, if, if you do just kind of, uh, you know, just, just for a moment, just kind of indulge the idea of value, you know, for you, you're upgrading from Joe Burrow to Deshaun Watson consensus value says the exact opposite <laughs> you know mm -hmm. consensus value says that you should be getting two deshaun watsons for the for for your joe burrow mm -hmm. so that's an easy move to make you know not only are you going to get to you know in your mind the superior quarterback with deshaun watson but you're also going to get a pretty significant plus along with it you know making that part a no-brainer it's it's the rest of those though. It's it's Lamar Jackson and uh, Jalen. I think you said Jalen Hurts is in your mm -hmm. top five as well. Mm -hmm. um, those two guys, Jalen Hurts in particular, mm -hmm. especially as you know, if you if you're valuing him as your quarterback four, quarterback five, most people have him as quarterback two or three, mm -hmm. right at the moment. So in order to make that move from you know, let's, let's call it, uh, I mean, let's, let's stick with Joe Burrow. 
you know, for a lot of people, that's a lateral move at best. They might even feel like there's more value with Jalen Hurts, you know, in a lot of cases. So how do you make that move? How do you get from Joe Burrow to Jalen Hurts? Or how do you get from, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence to Jalen Hurts in order to get that that fifth uh, top five quarterback that you that you covet? Yeah. So there's a few different ways you can do this. Um, you can wait because everybody has a buy window. If Patrick Mahomes has a buy window, everybody has a buy window at some point. Um, I remember last year um, in the off season, it was conversations about is Patrick Mahomes the quarterback five in dynasty? I was like, hell no, he's not the quarterback <laughs> five, he's the quarterback one. But people were acting that way. He was going fifth overall in startups. I saw it happen. Mm -hmm. And so that was the time to buy in then. So let's, you know, I don't wish injury on anybody. Let's say that there's a six-week injury for Jalen Hurts. I will overpay in that moment. I will make your team better. I will give you Dak Prescott, Travis Etienne, and a first-round pick. I'll give you whatever you want to make this mm. happen because I want Jalen Hurts. And yes, it's not going to be pleasant in the moment to see Travis Etienne and your first round pick go and you're losing points in your starting lineup. And what have you done now? Your 110 is the 104, but you've got Jalen Hurts, right? And you've yeah. opened up a few roster spots. You've given yourself the liberation to pick up two other players and to micro transact your way back up. You just have to be willing to be embarrassed about starting some of these trash players that you've got on the back end of your bench. What are you saving <laughs> them for? You're saving them to start them, start yeah. the damn players. And yeah. then you have Jalen Hurts. There you so go. You can do that. Or you can package two of these quarterbacks and you can work your way back up from the beginning, right? So you can go and get Trey Lance right now, let's say, who's a depressed asset. Is he good? Nobody knows. I don't think the 49ers know. But there's an opportunity there, right? So you can buy him for... Something like the 109, I would guess, would get it done right now. Mm -hmm. You buy him for the 109, and then three months later, he's playing for the Dolphins because Tua you know, decided to retire, whatever. You have an opportunity there to tear up if you're willing to make it hurt again. You just have to keep creating these opportunities for yourself and be relentless about it. You can't sit on your laurels of the fact that you have three top 12 quarterbacks. You have to be asking every manager every single month, Hey, what would it take to get Jalen Hurts? If they say the same thing, okay, thank you. You check in in a month. Yeah, I love this. I love this. Like, th so this is something that uh, that I've I've kind of struggled to. Uh, another thing I've struggled to verbalize, um, along with every freaking question ever tonight, apparently. But uh, like, this is something that I think about a lot. This is something you know. I get DMs all the time about. Um, you know, what do you think about this trade? And a lot of times my answer is right at the moment, you know, uh, uh, back to, you know, we're, we're a little bit of a slave to the, the, the concept of value. So if we look at value, if we look at market value, you know, right at the moment, like you're, you're kind of losing this trade, you know, like <laughs> I just, I, I, there's, there's no other way to say it, but the thing that, a lot of people would just gloss over it, You know, if you put this in into a Twitter trade poll, 
you're gonna lose but it's gonna it's it's gonna just completely ignore the fact that you know right now you're you're i'm i'm gonna do this visual thing even though we're on a audio entirely platform here but you know you're you're right now you're you're you know way behind in this trade but my hands are coming together over time this just kind of evens out and eventually you win this trade even though you're you lose it right at the moment it's possible for you to and this happens all the time this is why dynasty trades get done in fact is because right now you know you're you're going to lose this trade by a little bit but in the long run you're actually going to lose this trade by a ton i made a trade today for you know for instance where i gave up uh aaron rodgers which was hard for me um cooper cup and stefan diggs and i got back uh brock purdy um devonta smith uh and a little bit of draft capital nothing nothing major um and again i lose that trade right now you know but by next year there's a good chance i mean he might have you know he, he might be down a quarterback and have two kind of you know mid wide receiver two type of guys and i've got i've got a young quarterback i've got a young wide receiver and then whatever i do with these with these draft picks so this can flip you know and that's really kind of how some of these trades should be viewed it shouldn't be just what happens right now because it changes so quickly and that needs to be an important uh, that needs to be part of our process is to mm-hmm. think about it in that way it also disrupts the norm which is a fantastic thing when you have an increasing number of portfolio players mm-hmm. portfolio players by and large rely on markets acting like they're supposed to because they're playing in 50 leagues and they don't have time to figure out why this one is screwing up why why is somebody hoarding all these quarterbacks <laughs> They're in 50 leagues. They're not, they're either not paying attention, they're not willing to adjust, or they can't adjust to this because they've got other things going on for the most part. And they'll just let that one go. And so you have an opportunity to flip the script on these people who have fantastic process by completely changing the trade market, right? You can make it so that you're already ready to react to a different trade market. You're doing the thing that the Tennessee Titans did where they got a 250 pound running back and they just smash people's faces in when they had all these light linebackers and cornerbacks. You're doing the same thing at the quarterback position. Yeah. I like that too. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, essentially I, my, my assumption and at some point I'm going to need to, to talk to Scott Connor again, haven't even reached out yet in, in to schedule this, but um, it's another conversation that I'm really looking forward to having, but um I yeah and and the thing is Scott's gonna have a response to this like he's gonna he's gonna have some strategy, but you know a lot of portfolio players are you know honestly they're just gonna ignore that league if the market is not uh, is not acting you know quote unquote rationally they're just gonna ignore that league and then you just turned it into an eleven team league so that's that's pretty interesting too. I like that a lot. What do you do though with that consensus value? Like that's still, it still kind of exists, right? Like it still kind of hangs over our head. 
in some cases. So how do you, you know, where are you willing to, to kind of make some adjustments for that, if that makes sense? Yeah. So the weakness of this strategy is you lose out on some of the opportunities to leverage market value at the running back and wide receiver positions. Um, it's, okay. it's tough because people love wide receivers. They love wide receivers. They want 14 of them and they want all of the 22 year olds who had 800 yards last year because they know they're going to have 1800 yards the next year, which maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I'm not willing to invest in those because all of my resources are spent elsewhere. And so I, just recognize that I am going to lose on that side of the trade market, but that's not the side of the trade market for me. I just, I, I let it go. I realize that I only have so many assets to spend. I only have so many dynasty credits to spend in a given league and I'm spending them in ways that don't make sense to most people. And that's okay. Let them trade their wide receivers. Yeah. So you probably have played some quarterback extreme bingo, um, not on purpose. But, uh, you know, you just with your roster build, you're going to hear some of this stuff and you probably hear it more loudly and aggressive than even I do. Um, but I, I'm curious what your response is to. Uh, so, again, you achieve the this goal of getting all five of the top five. You've got Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. That's what your quarterback group looks like. Like I call that, I call that QB triple X. That's like, <laughs> that's like, yeah, the, like hands on the table, like hand check real quick because that's, <laughs> that's dirty. That's naughty. Um, so, but let's say you, you achieve that. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that the first thing you're going to hear from a league mate is you're wasting it, All those points are wasted on your bench. Jalen Hurts is on your bench. You're starting Pat Mahomes. You're starting Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Those guys don't get up off your bench. Yep. What's your response to that? I am thrilled because they don't understand what I'm doing. First yeah. of all, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, if I have all five of those quarterbacks, yes, three of them will be on my bench at all times. But what I've done is created a ripple effect of how everyone else is going to value the QB position, how they're going to draft rookies, how they're going to set their lineups, how they're going to construct their rosters. And that's the real benefit of this is it pushes people into suboptimal roster construction. It pushes them to also roster five or more quarterbacks. They're just worse because they have to start somebody. They feel they have to start somebody and they want to have an opportunity at the very least of putting a quarterback in the super flex position. It may not be every week, but they, they will be driven to draft more quarterbacks in the rookie draft to draft the Will Levises, let's say. They will roster more backup quarterbacks, which may or may not make a difference. And they're gonna draft more wide receivers and roster more wide receivers because they need to fill an extra flex spot. So what that allows me to do is to more optimally build the rest of my roster, understanding that I'm giving up one or two positions to the quarterback slot. I know that my roster is not optimized in a traditional sense. However, this further allows me to lean into the running back strategy of having all of these dud running backs because people can't worry about them. 
they're more worried about the quarterbacks than they are about their running backs. And that's where I'm getting my clarified starts from for the rest of my roster. We haven't talked about the tight end position yet, but that's something that I heavily invest in as well as soon as possible. So I'm not a numbers guy, um, but you know, listening uh, listening to this while I'm looking at the work that you did on a warp, um, and it just kind of it just kind of occurred to me, um, and maybe you have thoughts on this, maybe you don't, but it feels like, you know, w- when we're looking at adjusted wins over replacement for Pat Mahomes, like we're really just kind of isolating Pat Mahomes. What does it do to it once you add Josh Allen to that same roster and remove access for the rest of the league, you know, and then, and then you do that three more times essentially after that, like it it, it feels like the adjusted wins over replacement for Pat Mahomes goes up as you take out of circulation, you know, those other, those other guys. That's exactly it. And not only that, but your super flex spot bumps up as well. It bumps up mm-hmm. dramatically. So yeah. you're looking at an 11 point per game player, as opposed to your Josh Allen, who's what a 27 point per game player. Mm-hmm. And so you've given yourself a free roster spot essentially by doing this, by having the guts to just continue to build at the quarterback position, understanding that you're not going to start these quarterbacks. You're keeping them away from the contenders. I don't care who the quarterback is on the 10th best team in my league. I care who the quarterback is on the second best team in my league, because that's the person I need to crush in week 17. Yeah. Deshaun Watson kind of represents some very unique arbitrage. You know, yeah. he, he's, it, it's very rare that we're going to get a player that young and that productive who just kind of drops off the map for two years and then comes back completely healthy, you know, and uh, otherwise the same player. And and as you mentioned earlier, now in a better situation than he was. Better offensive line, better play calling, um, arguably better weapons, definitely deeper weapons. Um, so, you know, he it, 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 like that's that's really pretty rare. Uh, and and it, it kind of creates an opportunity. Um, that typically wouldn't exist. So I guess I wonder how much uh, how much are you willing to kind of speculate on a player um, that you believe could be top five, but you know generally isn't when they don't have that type of component, you know that type of variable um, kind of depressing their you know value or whatever you want to call it, depressing their ranking. Yeah, it's not easy to get the top five guys, right? So you have to be able to make some concessions and you have to be able to go down a few spots ready to pounce when you can tear up again. And with that comes some speculation. Again, though, I really don't want to invest heavily unless someone has done it twice. If they can get a top 12 or a top six finish twice, I feel pretty confident they're going to do it again and they're probably going to do it multiple times. And it doesn't have to be a lot harder than that, to be honest with you. People, for some reason, will put out trade polls every day on Twitter trying to sell one of these top guys on the altar of depth. And I just don't, I don't do that. 
it, you don't have to do that. You can get these guys, you can keep these guys, and you can layer in elite quarterbacks below them and be very successful in Dynasty. It's it's tough to say, an Anthony Richardson, let's say, if we're going to speculate on him, it's tough to say that that's a bad bet right now. Um, a lot of the underlying metrics are very healthy. I'd yeah. personally rather have Dak Prescott because he's done it a couple times and he has a pretty big contract. Yeah. Let's uh, uh, one last question, and then I'm I'm honestly going to let you uh, freestyle a little bit because I know that you've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, I've actually seen them on paper, and above all else, I I want to I want to uh, you know give you a minute to kind of go through this work that you've done on a warp because um, you know it's 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 too good of work and it's too valuable um, to just kind of be left between you and me. So <laughs> we're going to get that out in just a second, but. Before we get to that, uh, like I said, just just um, just one last question here from me on on this, and it really is just I'd I'd really like to make this kind of actionable for people. Now I know the uh, you know like uh, like we said, like you said, you don't do a lot of startups. You really just kind of take over orphans. Um, a lot of times, though, you know the way we do this analysis for better or for worse. I, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is the right way to go about it. I don't think it, this is the right lens to look at things from because the startup is kind of a one-time event that lasts a week or two out of, you know, a, out of the life of your dynasty that's going to ultimately run, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years, whatever. <laughs> so, like, it's it's just this one event where, you know, it, values are very different. Uh, there's, there's, like you said, there's a, you know, there's a certain amount of showmanship involved. There's a certain amount of um, just kind of energy and excitement around it, and it looks very, very different than, you know, the the way your league, the way its market is going to look from the moment the startup is done on until you know the the league the league collapses essentially. So, which again, could be a very long time. Um, but it is something that people think a lot about. It's, it is, you know, a pretty easy focal point. Uh, it's kind of low hanging fruit for us to, to kind of look at the startup and say, how would you manage this? How would you navigate this? And so, you know, I think it sounds like, you know, let's just say that you've got 1.01 in a startup. Um, it's Pat Mahomes pretty easily. But then, you know, let's say that there's a pretty significant quarterback run, which there likely would be based on what we're seeing in ADP right now. Pretty, cons uh, you know, a pretty significant run on quarterbacks before your next pick at the end of the second round. So now you're kind of you're below those top 12 type of guys. You're kind of looking at, at the next tier of players who it sounds like you're not particularly interested in. <laughs> um, you know, a, a, again, I think it's probably the it's the Tua's and the, the rookies, uh, the older guys, um, you know, guys like that, uh, you know, possibly like Trey Lance coming off an injury. I don't know how you feel there. Um you know, but kind of guys like that are going to be available to you. Maybe, maybe Justin Fields might be, I, I, he probably goes first round, but, 
um, it, you know, guys like that, that you're not particularly interested in, but they do give you kind of some currency to move up. Mm-hmm. But there are also some players available that have been pushed to you, non-quarterbacks who have been pushed to you, who maybe even re- represent more value in terms of achieving your overall goal. So I'm curious how you would handle that situation, how you're, you know, what what direction are you going with those two picks at the 2-3 turn? Um, and, you know, if how much of that is guided by the notion that, Later on, even you you weren't able to draft into this roster build, you were never going to be able to. Um, but the goal is ultimately going to be to trade into that. Yeah, I would try like heck to move up, but assuming I couldn't, I would certainly dip back into the quarterback pool because in my experience, people love getting a quarterback in return in any tier up or tier down situation with quarterbacks, they, they almost have to have an equivalent or positive number of quarterbacks on their side when making a trade for one of these top guys. And all it takes is one awesome training camp video of Anthony Richardson to boost his trade value to be quarterback six. We've seen it happen right now. I think JSN is wide receiver nine in dynasty, which is insane to me. I don't know if he's put on pads yet but we do this every year with these young players. And so I would probably assuming the situation where I can't trade up into the early second round and get a good quarterback. um, I would probably lean into the quarterback build still knowing I've got four months until I need to start setting a lineup. And even at that point, if I need to wait longer, I need to wait for somebody to get hurt. I'll do it. I'll be patient if I have to, but I'm going to be aggressive as soon as I can tear up into one of those better quarterbacks. I, I don't need Saquon Barkley. I don't need Tyreek Hill. They don't move the needle for me. They score a ton of points. They're fantastic players. I love what they do, but that's just not where I'm going to place my value because there are better bets out there. Love it. Love it. All right, like I said, we need to we need to go over this uh, this work that you've done on um, adjust to wins over replacement. Um, just like I said, I mean, you know, you, you work too hard on this. This is way too important, way too valuable to just not be made public in some way. So, so, it, and you know, you can, you can definitely freestyle here. You can kind of decipher, uh, you know, what's the, what's the more relevant information, what's the more important information here. Um, and what can we just kind of gloss over, but uh, I would love to to just kind of get your take overall on on your findings here. Yeah, totally. I'm going to preface this. I am not a Deco. I'm not Peter Howard. I have nothing compared to those people. I just build tools for myself because I want to better understand how to construct my roster. I want to understand how to better leverage the league. Um, and so this if, is a very small thing compared if to... You were- if you were Peter Howard, uh, I, this conversation would have gone so, so differently. Um, <laughs> I, my, my voice would have been much more stern, much more angry. Uh, my language would have been a, a more inflammatory. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a good thing, by the way. It's great to have a frenemy. I tell you what, I I need a rival in just about any league that I play. And I almost seek them out because it makes me a a better dynasty player. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so I just made this for our show um, because I wanted to be able to state with some fact why I was moving into these tiers. I, I have more comprehensive team building spreadsheets that take into account injury rates and a warp and you can adjust the number of starts that players have. You can adjust rankings if you want to move them up or down. Um, but yeah, I just made this sheet because I wanted to create tiered costs in the DLF value chart um, based on y'all's rankings so that we can better understand what it costs to get a, a Superflex quarterback and what you're getting in return. Ultimately, what you're trying to purchase are wins, right? Especially at the very top here. Um, and so I just asked you to give me the dynasty values of the top 12 quarterbacks. Um, and I ran their projected production um, through this spreadsheet. And it gave me a cost per win on the DLF trade chart. And so if you look at the tier one quarterbacks um, in the DLF trade finder, excuse me, the uh, value chart, you have Mahomes, you have uh, Josh Allen, and you have Hertz, and you're spending about 556 widgets per win um, on the Dynasty Value platform. You move down into the second tier and you're spending about 840 widgets, and it just gets worse and worse from there. 1,200 for quarterbacks seven through 11 and 1,500 for quarterback 12. I just spit a bunch of numbers at you. What I'm trying to say is, you get better value the higher up you move. You're spending less dynasty value per win by moving up the quarterback uh, tiers. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen cost about 70% of what the rest of these quarterbacks do at minimum per win. Nice. Um, I got to pull that that table back up yeah it's 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 pretty interesting like how quickly it's like the uh the anchorman gif uh that escalated quickly like it's it's kind of crazy how quick you you end up paying double per win you know <laughs> like it's basically what is it top like once you get outside the top three <laughs> top mm -hmm. four something like that yeah um next thing you know you're paying almost triple for a for a quarterback one, you yeah. know? <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's super interesting stuff. Like I said, um, this is, it's something that needed to see the light of day. Um, I'm also curious. I, I, I just, I, I know that you had a lot of talking points here. Um, I kind of hijacked us a little bit because, uh, some of this stuff is just super interesting to me. And, uh, you know, I really kind of wanted to, to dig in a little bit, but I want to make sure that we, did we hit everything, all of your talking points, or is there anything that we, that we missed that we'd be remiss if we left out? I want to give you an opportunity to call me out and say, I'm full of shit. Does this matter in the way that you construct your teams from a QBX perspective? Are you more willing to move up and maybe sacrifice one of the QB spots to have four quarterback spots and try to move into uh, this middle tier of the top 12 where you're getting great value still and, and a lot of wins. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I, I don't hate it um, just because I mean, you know, first of all, we, 
talk all the time about the depth of the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I mentioned it several times on this episode. In fact, how easy it is to find wide receivers. Running backs are not nearly as easy to find, but they're even more abundant just kind of in general in terms of guys who will be usable at some point for some period of time. And so, you know, the idea of, of giving up that, which is, you know, really pretty, uh, really kind of represents some very short-term production and honestly, short-term value, you know, the, those, those guys, uh, you know, wide receivers, wide receivers hold their value better. Um, it's just that it kind of doesn't matter because they all hold their value for the same period of time. Running back, you have to address every year, kind of no matter what your your roster looks like. You could have the best group of, of running backs possible for one season, and you have to readdress it. If you had Austin Eckler and Josh Jacobs in 2022, congratulations on your championship. Now blow it up get rid of those guys and try and find the guys who are going to do it this year in 2023, because it's not, it's never the same from year to year. They're, they're like snowflakes. Everyone is different. Every season is different. So, and particularly at the running back position. So I don't hate it for that. You know, the fact that you're, that you're really kind of leveraging the value of those players um, while they have it and you know the fact that they have value that they shouldn't really have yeah. necessarily so I, I i like that part of it uh the the tough part for me um so i'm not gonna say you're full of shit you're i don't i don't believe that to be the case um but the tough part for me is is just kind of seeing the end game um you know, just because, uh, man, I can't believe I can't believe you you put me in a position here, Tommy, where like I'm gonna have to to repeat something that people have said to me that pisses me off. It's the you know the points on the bench thing, <laughs> like like that's it's that's annoying. But, uh, you know, the it it's it's that much more substantial. Uh, when it's, you know, three top five quarterbacks sitting on your bench every single week. Um, that Can part I push back on that. Yeah, absolutely. What are you doing when you roster three times as many wide receivers as you need? No, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's no real reason to it as far as I'm concerned. You you're know? putting points on the bench. You're just yeah. wasting value. You're pissing it away. You're you're pushing yourself into a position to where you're not making a difference, even if you do start these players, because they're all kind of the same. Your sure. wide receiver seven is the same as your wide receiver 10, very mm-hmm. likely. If you have these top quarterbacks, you've pushed your value into something that is likely repeatable that is incredibly sought after. So if you want to change your strategy next year, you absolutely can. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. You do not have 10 players on your team in a start 10. You probably have 25 or 30, right? So at some point you are wasting 
startable options. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely true too. I mean, so I think that part of it for me too is, uh, and and I talk about this a lot too. That you know, fantasy football, dynasty football, it's all very cyclical. Um, right now, you're we're kind of in an upswing for wide receivers, um, both in terms of value and production. A big part of that is driven by the fact that we're on a massive, massive downswing with the running backs. Um, it's very hard to identify the good running, the good young running backs in particular right now, um, which is probably what's driving Bijan Robinson the most right at the moment. But you know, we're we're uh, we're kind of at this inflection point at quarterback as well, where you know we're we're just now starting to kind of restock the quarterback position, and we've got a lot of young guys. Um, several of them have already achieved elite type of status. Um, you know, but part of that is a little bit through attrition. You know, it's the fact that we had lost Peyton Manning. We had lost Drew Brees. Um, we had, you know, we had lost Ben Roethlisberger even before he retired, you know, so we kind of had these. Uh, we had some massive, massive voids at the top of the quarterback position, and they just necessarily needed to be filled by younger players. You know, it's it's not even necessarily that. I mean, I don't I don't think Jalen Hurts is an all time great quarterback. I think that he's great for the moment. I think he's elite right now. Um, but it it also you know I think that guys like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud coming in represent um you know more more long-term upside to a point where i would expect one of those guys and and you know i my guess is bryce young but you know like you said earlier it's not a great bet on any of them but one of those guys ultimately pushes jalen hurts out of out of the top you know three top five wherever wherever you happen to have him ranked um you know and just kind of takes over that that position and so the tough part for me i guess is um it's it's like this is a particularly good time to get in early on some elite quarterbacks uh but it's not always going to be that way you know, that pendulum is going to swing back the other way as well. And at some point, these young quarterbacks, you know, at some point, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen are going to be the old guys, you know, and uh, I mean, maybe hopefully, hopefully you get another, you know, 10 years of them just kind of holding down those, the you know, the top two positions. Um, and it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible that Joe Burrow, uh, you know, stays up there as well. It's certainly possible that, you know, Trevor Lawrence gets there and stays there. Um, but it's, it, it just, it, it, and I mean, it, it, this is all super speculative. This is all super abstract. Um, but my feeling is that at some point, uh, and it might not be for a while, so this can work. But at some point, this is not going to work as well because the quarterback position is going to go back to being a little bit more of a short-term proposition. 
you're not always going to have so many young guys coming in and, you know, with such, with, with so much space at the top for them to fill in. Yeah. And I think you touched on a really important point there in that it's going to take a couple years to restock this position. Um, Let's, let's say you drafted CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, right? In, in TA six. <laughs> to join Trevor Lawrence. Just, <laughs> hypo- join Trevor just, Lawrence. just hypothetically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when are you expecting them if if they were to hit to put up Patrick Mahomes level points? It's probably gonna be year two. At a minimum year yeah. two. Yeah. 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 At the earliest. Yeah. And more likely something along the lines of what Trevor Lawrence is doing, where he had pretty weak signal year one. Um, he had a dumpster fire of a situation, but year two, he showed some things. Second half of the year, he was what QB six or something. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's fantastic. That's not playing in the sandbox of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we'd be lucky to have him add two more points per game uh, to his, his total next year in year three. And that still wouldn't be touching the tier of Josh Allen uh, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. He'd still be six points behind them, behind all of them. And if I've got two of them, that's 12 points per game. That's about a win and a half over the course of a season that I've still got over the, the QB five or six. That's significant. So I can play this strategy for the next two or three years before you can catch up. And by then I'll I'll have hopefully leveraged that into advantageous positions at tight end. I will hopefully have found a stud wide receiver because I'm using Justin Herbert and I'm trading him for an injured Joe Burrow and a first. And I'm using that first round pick on a wide receiver who is also going to hit eventually in this theoretical world. So I'm leveraging the position that I've, I've gained an advantage on against you this whole time. And at that point, if you do catch up to me, you're one of 12. I'll take mm-hmm. you on. I'll try to beat you. I, I'm comfortable with those odds. I'm comfortable with the market changing. I'm keeping track of it. Um, if if it does change, I'll find the next undervalued position. Let's say that we do get a great crop of running backs coming in over the next couple of years, and they really are valuable. We have 2017 all over again. I'll invest in that at a depressed price because we're all scared of running backs right now. Let's say that this tight end group that we've got this year actually hits. And for once we have a deep tight end class, you know, we've got tight ends one through eight that are all fantastic and putting up 18 points per game. I'll overspend and get into that as soon as I can, because that's where the market is headed. That's where the points are headed. That's what I need to be investing in right now. It's quarterbacks. And right now it's the very top of the quarterback position because there is no middle class. And if I can corner that market, I'm in a position to leverage that into future uh, situations that are likely to change. Yeah. No, I I like it, man. Um, I like I I, I mean I've, I you know I've got some some skepticism here and there, but like this is something that I legitimately want to try. Now somehow I've got to get into a league with a bunch of monks or something, just like people who don't listen to the super flex super show because every mfing time 
I do a startup. <laughs> like I have people trying to block me from my own strategy of QBX, which is hard enough to achieve, much less getting into a position here where I get the, you know, the top five quarterbacks. But this is something I really want to try. This is, this is, you know, don't mistake my skepticism for being like, no, nah, this is like, it's, it's not a, a dismissal at all. This is more like, I wonder how this is going to go. And I kind of want to find out. I'll tell you what, it's pretty fun. You look <laughs> at your roster and you've got all these quarterbacks and you don't have any running backs of any consequence at all. But you look at your league mates and you're like, he's starting who at quarterback one? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what the rest of my roster looks like because I'm going to destroy you this year and next year and the year after. You don't have a <laughs> chance against me. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I love being able to to use the the quarterback position is just kind of the ultimate like Thor's hammer. <laughs> just, that's, that's my favorite because there's the belief out there that you can't win a championship without, you know, elite wide receivers. You can't win the championship without, um, without Christian McCaffrey for some reason. <laughs> like so he's, he's still just kind of has this alpha status. Um, but the, the, the one that nobody seems to acknowledge is the quarterback position. And I say it all the time. This is not a quarterback game, but it's a quarterback driven game. This is quarterbacks really kind of propel this entire super flex game. And so anytime I see it, like I hear stories all the time um, and it, and I let it influence my analysis of, you know, people who won a championship with Daniel Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo, or, you know, sometimes something even worse than that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's always, it, it's always interesting because you can, you know, you can, you can definitely, um, take that approach and go win one championship, you know, but it, it actually kind of annoys me because it just, completely belittles the quarterback position which is really just kind of the motor for this entire game so uh yeah it's it's uh, it's it's something very interesting to me something that i want to try um another thing though that i really really want to do very soon is bring you back on the super show and talk some more uh we're definitely at time um but I feel like there's still a lot <laughs> that we could have we could have talked about. So I think it's going to mean part two coming up very, very soon. Man, I would love that. I really appreciate you just letting me on the Superflex Super Show. This is something that I listen to whenever it drops. I'm always interested in the guests you bring on because they're super compelling. And so I just feel super grateful that I even have a microphone in front of me because I'm not anybody. I just, I have thoughts about Superflex and I want to share them with somebody and you've been gracious enough to listen to me. So thank you. That's where it starts, man. That's that I was, I, I was that at one point too, just a dude with a, with an idea. Um, and you know, people hate that idea enough until, uh, until they're, they're listening to you 
angrily at all times. So, <laughs> so your time's coming too, Tommy, but yeah, for the, for the time being, I mean, I just, I just appreciate the conversation. Um, I appreciate you and, uh, and your strategy. We also need to, uh, before you come on next time, you need to think about a name for this strategy. Um, unless you're okay with QB triple X, it's pretty. <laughs> that's saucy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll workshop that. We'll, we'll try to think of a few names, but that that's a good placeholder for now. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Tommy Blair, uh, nothing really to, uh, to promote necessarily other than the Twitter, um, are you, should, should we pump out the Twitter and try and, uh, build up the following count or are you kind of, uh, like me and just like, who the hell cares? <laughs> it's just... I could care less to be honest with you. Like I, I love talking to people about strategy more than anything else. Um, I love helping out new dynasty players because I took my lumps early on too. So if you want to, if you want to put it out, it's for those people, or if you want to call me an idiot, I suppose that's good too, <laughs> uh, but I'm not trying to build a Twitter following or anything like that now. Yeah. Uh, but you should have one. So at FF Tommy B. Um, so yeah, de- definitely give my man a follow. Uh, and, um, yeah, get to have some of the same type of conversations that I have with him about strategy and the concept of value and, everything else so like i said tommy thank you for coming on we're going to do this again soon uh, but i really appreciate your time brother thanks man let's wrap this one up for the week and as we do that ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts i got a shout out ken moody from dynastyleaguefootball.com i like i listen to jj zacharyson and he says you know you can you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere uh anywhere that that uh hosts podcasts and i always wanted to be able to say that ken moody <laughs> has made that possible like we're literally on every freaking podcast platform um unless you know there's like the occasional one that's just like kind of a mom and pop type like hole in the wall pod catcher um that nobody's ever heard of um and we'll end up on that one eventually so <laughs> So literally, wherever you listen to podcasts, the Super Show is there. And on a lot of those platforms, they'll also allow you to rate and review the show. If you would be so kind, it helps me to involve more people in the conversation, uh, get out to more people. And from there, we can really kind of zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, my super friends. I'm still on Twitter whatever uh thank you to dynastyleaguefootball.com for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music thank you to tommy blair for the conversation and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexible